So last night, we talked a bit about being formed. We talked about being formed, uh, and we talked a bit about Plato. Does anybody remember anything about Plato from last night? Caitlin does, that's good. What do you remember from last night about Plato? Um, you kept being tossed around, you kept being tossed around, and finally one thing on the right balance, and what we Yeah, right, there's, with Plato, we talked about how circumstances form us, situations form us, other people form us, uh, what we listen to, what we think about, who we surround ourselves with, like different ideas or trends, all those things form us as well. And that we're like this Play-Doh where it gets all these indents and all this different shape and all this different structure. But ultimately we talked about who we need to form us and we need the creator. We need God who actually knows the purpose of the Play-Doh what the Plato is supposed to be created into. We need him to be the one that forms us because he created, created us. We were in Acts 17, and remember Paul is talking to that group of people in Athens and talking about God and saying, in him you have your life and you have your being, right? That, that with, apart from God, we don't have true life in the way that he intended it, and we don't have our being. We don't have the right form. We're not, we're not on a right trajectory to who God created us to be. Has anybody ever had Play-Doh before that they leave the cap off somewhere and it just sits in the little jar? What happens to it? It gets hard. Yeah, I have some of it right here. It's like really crusty and nasty. And then this is really crazy. I opened this jar and it was already kind of gross. And you probably can't see it, but it's growing little things. Like, it's like these little hairs are coming out of it. These short little silver, it's very strange. I wonder if it's even played. But it's just, like, I can't do anything with this, really. I can't form it. It starts crumbling. It's, there's just no use for it whatsoever. I think one of the problems when we're formed by things of the world is the world doesn't actually know how to take care of us. The world doesn't actually know how to take care of us, right? Whether it's like the latest trend or the latest thing that you're watching or book or whatever, or even, even friendships or family members, while, while sometimes they, they can re be really good at loving us, they, they don't know us like our Creator knows us. We all know that sometimes people hurt us, or sometimes people, people do something that they thought was going to be helpful for us, but it actually wasn't. Where we go to school and our friend group and circumstances and situations that we've experienced, all those things form us too, but they don't care for us and give us the life that we actually need. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in life I've felt kind of like this Play-Doh, where I'm just like, I feel crusty. Usually if I haven't showered for a bit, I feel crusty too. You might feel crusty now, but where I just feel dried out. And I feel like, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This isn't who I'm supposed to be. How did I get to this spot? Max talked a little bit about that last night with his story. That moment where after he was in the hospital and then found out his dad had cancer, it was just like, whoa, how did I end up here? Is this what life is actually about? If you've ever felt like dried out, crusty Play-Doh that has no more purpose or form to it anymore, because you haven't been cared for, you probably have asked that question. Is this 
as good as it gets? Is this what life is actually about? How did I get here? We need our creator to form us, but we also need our creator to be the one who cares for us. So in Ephesians chapter 2, the first couple of verses actually talk kind of about this very thing. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. This is Paul again, and he's talking. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time. We'll stop there for a second. So Paul's saying here to this group of people in Ephesians, this church, he's saying, at one point... You just let the world form you. You just went with whatever the world said was good. You followed your own desires. And in that, what it causes is it's like this Plato. It causes us to be just dried out and dead. He says, spiritually, you're dead. Even though physically you're alive, you're breathing, right? You're, you're walking, you're doing all the things that you enjoy. But spiritually, you're actually dead. You're like this crusty, left-open jar of Plato with no form and no life. So he says that. So let's go back again to, um, to verse 3. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Right now, this is not very good news that Paul is sharing with the church of Ephesus. And two things I want to point out with what he's saying here. He's saying that ultimately, when we've chosen just to be formed by our desires, when we've chosen to be just formed by the things of this world, instead of formed by God, what that's called is sin. Right? That's called sin when we do that. We're rejecting what God says is good and what our Creator says is good, and we're choosing for ourselves to find what makes us happy or what makes us comfortable or what we think will give us life. But the, even a little bit of good news here, a little bit of good news in like these gnarly verses is we're all in the same boat. He says all of us, every single one of us has done this at one point in our life or another. All of us have the same problem of turning to our own way instead of following God's way. And I don't know about you, but that actually brings me a little bit of comfort in some ways. Um, because sometimes, like, because of my circumstances or because of, like, bad things that I've done, I feel totally isolated. Like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that struggles with this. Or I'm the only one that this has ever happened to. And while nobody has the exact same circumstances as one another, like, Sam and I have not gone through the exact same things in life, and uh, Caitlin and I haven't, and Caden and I haven't, yet at the same time, we've all gone through things where we all need the same solution. We all need to receive the same thing. We're all stuck in the same boat of experiencing a broken form that we've received from the world and from our own decisions. So you're not alone in needing the same hope that everybody else on this planet needs as well. No matter what you've experienced, no matter what you've chosen or what you've gone through, the answer is still the same. And then at the end there, it says, like the rest, 
we, by nature, we were objects of wrath. Do you know what you have to do with dried out Play-Doh? You have to chuck it. It's no good anymore, right? It, there's nothing that, that it can do. I can't, like, I can't form this. I can't make it into what it was supposed to be, what it was de- defined for, or what it was designed for. It's got to be tossed out. When we reject what God says is good and His life, it's like we're choosing the way of this Plato of like, I'm just going to stay spiritually dead forever instead of receiving the life that God has for me. But that just leads to more death. And God has to deal with it. But, it's one of the best words in the Bible, B-U-T, but, that is not where the story ends. So let's keep reading. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says that very word. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace, grace you have been saved. The story that we need is the one that Paul is sharing here. We talked about that a little last night. Because it says, because God loved us, He chooses to save us. He chooses to rescue us. He chooses to take dried out Plato that has no use and no form to it anymore. It's just been jacked up by all the circumstances and choices throughout its lifetime. He chooses not only to give that Plato life, but to make it new again. Like, that's the crazy thing. It's like, it's like the lid goes back on the Plato jar. I'm taking this analogy very far right now. But the lid goes back on, and then it's opened up again, and out comes just fresh, brand new Plato. Like, it's totally, it's totally made new, like a brand new jar that has never been opened before. And that also, with what Max was sharing last night, is what he's been experiencing in his story is new life with Jesus. Where when, when God looks at him, when, when we look at him, we don't just see dried out Plato. Good thing. That would be a bummer for Max if we just called him that. Right? But we see something that is made new. Something that has new life because of what God has done. If you don't hear anything else today or anything else the rest of this week, God rescues us when we're at our very worst. Not because we got better, not because we did anything right, not because all of a sudden we're a better person or, or we could prove ourselves, but here in Ephesians it says, because of his great love for us. No matter where you're at in your situations and circumstances, God is ready to save you and rescue you and draw you to himself because he loves you. And that's a hard thing to grasp sometimes. The love of God. Like that the Creator actually knows me and loves me. That He cares about me. There was a lot of my life, I, my parents, I knew they cared about me, but I was, so, I was so insecure that no one else did. It was a big deal when I realized that the God of the universe actually saw me and cared about me and loved me, and wanted a relationship with me. If you hear nothing else this week, that is true for you as well. God sees you, and he loves you, and he wants 
to have relationship with you. So in a nutshell, this is the story that we need. We need to be rescued from the world just forming us. We need to find our true form in God, our life in our being. And he's done that through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. But it doesn't stop there. Ephesians 2, look at verse 11. There's a really awesome word that you'll see in the Bible sometimes. It's therefore. So therefore means that in light of everything that's just been said, if this is true for you, like if this is the story that you've received, you know that God loves you, you've put your trust in Jesus, therefore, this is what you do next. This is what happens. This is what takes place. And I'm not going to read through the whole thing. We're going to jump around, but jump around with me um, to some of these verses. I almost like sang a song there. Jump around. No. Um, But we're going to jump around through some of these verses and see what happens next if this is true. So verse 13, check this out with me. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. When this has happened, part of our identity as Christians is not being far off from God, but being up close and personal. At the very beginning of the Bible, when God forms Adam out of the dust, one of my favorite parts of this story is that then God gets up close and breathes breath into Adam's nostrils. Like there is a closeness that we were meant for in relationship with God. Okay, verse 14. Let's read this. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. If you are in Christ, not, not, it's not just that you have to find this serenity from within or you have to sing kumbaya and rock back and forth or you have to get a massage chair to find peace. No, Jesus himself is our peace. And at times we experience it, we feel it, we feel the peace of God in certain situations where we're really afraid. But more than that, he's made peace between us and God too, so that we can actually have a relationship with God. He's made peace between us and one another as well. It says he, he got rid of the dividing wall of hostility. Later it goes on to talk about how, how now people of all different nations, all different cultures, all different races can come together as the family of God for whoever might believe in him. Jesus is is the one that waves the white flag for peace, not for surrender, but for peace so that we can truly love one another and have relationship with each other and with the God of the universe. Verse 18, verse 18, let's check this one out. For through him, We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. This has given us relational access, not to like a physical Father, but to our spiritual Father, God the Father, one of the members of God, one of of the beings of the Trinity that makes up God. We don't have time to get into all of that, but a Father figure who is actually good all the time. I love my dad. And he's a, he's a really good guy. He is not good all the time. I have some really formational moments in my life in middle school and high school where my dad snapped at me. 
where he yelled at me. That wasn't often in my house. For some of you, I know that might be the case, that your relationship with your dad or father figure is, is really hard. God promises to be a father that is good all the time. Not just some of the time, or not none of the time. All the time. And he's given us his own spirit to live in us so that we might be the home of God. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Not only has he brought us in close so that once where, or maybe even for you, you experienced this with youth group, right? The first time you came, you're like, I feel like an outsider. I don't know if I know anybody. Do I fit in? But over time, you're like, I feel like this is my family. I feel like this is community. I know I'm loved here. That's what God does with us relationally. What you experience here at youth group physically, that's what God does with us spiritually. He brings us in close, not to just be friends, but to actually be family. It says a part of his own own household where we are sons and daughters of God. How crazy is that? I brag about my parents sometimes. I have a lot more reasons to brag about God if he if I belong to his household. The last one, verse 21. Verse 21 and 22. In him the whole building is joined together. And rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is where we start to talk more specifically about what it means to be the church. The therefore in verse 11 means for anyone who is in Christ, all these things are true. And they're not just true for individuals. It's one thing if it's, this is only true for Christian and then Hope and Ian and Kat and Julie and the rest of the staff members. It's one thing if like those things are true. But then it says those things are true for them and they join together as a building, as a, as a home for the Lord. That this, this thing of being a Christian isn't about just... Just one person doing their own thing with God over here and another person doing their thing with God, but them being joined together. Kat and I moved into a house a couple years ago, and, uh, and when we moved in, it was, it, it was our home, but it didn't necessarily feel like home. There was a lot of construction that needed to be done. We like took out all the walls, uh, we took out the floors, We've been painting, we've been doing all these things where over time, the more the pieces of this house have come together, it feels more and more like home. As we join together as God's people, sometimes there's stuff that we've got to get rid of. Sometimes there's postures or ideas or thoughts about each other that we need to be that need to be done away with. We need God to work in our hearts to change us, to, to make us new. Like he's doing this uh, extreme makeover home edition on, on us spiritually, right? So where he's clearing it all out so that when we gather together as his people, it is a house for the Lord. Do you guys know that we could never meet in that building again and we would still be Harvest Community Church together if we kept meeting together? Because being the church is not about a building. 
We could not even have this property and we could hang out at Julie's house or we could meet at Crown Park or we could meet down by the river. But if we're gathered together as believers, we are there as the household and the building of God. And he's using each of us to be the newness that is being brought to that that household that, that is joining things together so it feels like home. It feels like home for us, but more importantly, it's home for God to work among us. If you are a believer, you are both joined to God and you're joined to other believers as well. I think it's a lot easier for us to think about our relationship with God as like just me and, and, and my friend and, and it's, just, it's just me and God. It's us doing our own thing. But God doesn't actually have it work that way. God wants you to be joined to Him, close with Him for sure. But He wants that to overflow into your relationships with everybody else here that's a part of this church. Every other believer that you come in contact with, whatever He does in your heart, or if there's a verse that really stands out to you, or or if there's something that you're struggling with, or whatever, God doesn't want you to just keep that to yourself. God wants you to be joined with other people who know Him and love Him and share those things as well. It's one of the beautiful things about the church. It's not, this isn't a race to see who's the best Christian at the end, right? Thank goodness, I would lose. But it, it is a collection. Like when you were in your teams during the Olympics, right? Like even if you just think about the Olympics, a country is trying to gain as many medals as they can for their country. They, they're in this together, even though one person is doing like the, the um, shot put and one person's on the basketball team and one person is swimming. They're all in this together for the greater good collectively. And that's what we do as Christians with one another too. Before... Being a Christian or being God's church is, is, is about anything that we do. It first has to be about who we are. Who we are. Because that then changes what we do. What we live for. I think sometimes when you think about church, and I don't know if this was on your posters or not, you just think about all the things that you do. I, I think about that sometimes. We sing songs. We do a lesson. We pray, you know, or we greet one another, or we read the Bible. All good things, right? All important things. But first, it it comes that our identity is in that God has rescued us, that I belong to this story, and I, I can't believe that God would love me, and that God's invited me into a family, and that He loves me just as much as He loves Landon, just as much as He loves Malia, just as much as He loves Parker or Willem or Sarah, like whoever it is here. And when I recognize that, that church is about that, man, then when we're singing together, then when we're praying together, then when we're being taught together, when we open the Bible together, that means so much more than just doing the thing, just to do it, because we're supposed to. It's connected to our very core of like, this is the life that we actually need. And it's good for all of us, no matter who has gathered here. I wonder if we woke up every day and reminded ourselves of these things that Ephesians says here, what would be different in our lives? 
If we just woke up every day and read Ephesians 2, you could start doing that. Just how our day might be different as we remember, oh yeah, that's the story I belong to. That's who's forming me. That's my identity. This is who I actually am. This is what, who God is and what he has for me as a part of his church. I think that we need to change our thinking from just, I'm going to church, right? That church is a place that you just go to on Wednesday nights or Sundays, but that we collectively, for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, we are the church. Because that's a big difference. When I show up um, to, let's say, Red Robin, right? When I show up there, I'm expecting Red Robin to do some things for me. I want to be fed. I want it to be a good meal. I want them to take care of me. I don't want it to be too expensive. That doesn't always happen, right? Those fries are so good and milkshakes. But if I am Red Robin, that's very different. (laughs) If I'm the owner of Red Robin, I've got like this shared investment in this thing that I do want this to be good for everyone that comes here right I want things to go well I want it to be the right atmosphere and environment I want people to be recognized and seen this analogy breaks down with church because it's red robin right but but if you recognize yourself as a part of the church collectively here that changes that from you just going and receiving things because you have ownership then You have ownership that you want to share these things with the other people there as well. You're a representative of the church, which is pretty crazy. That's a huge identity shift, one that I did not understand in middle school and high school. I went to church, and I just wanted church to do the things that I liked. (laughs) And then I was bored when it didn't, (laughs) just being really honest. It was way different when I felt, when I truly was a member of the church and I wanted to see awesome things happen in other people's lives as well and be a part of what God was doing. If you believe in Jesus, you belong to the church. And part of that is the local church, like here at Harvest, like there's a there's a group of people here in Camas that get together where we know ourselves as Harvest Community Church. And if you're a Christian, you belong to that. That's where you locally meet. But there's something bigger to belonging to the church too. How the Bible talks about it is if you're a part of the church, not only do you belong to this church here, but everyone who's a Christian, everyone who, who believes in Jesus, we are a part of Hope says it this way, the capital C church, the big church, the church. And that doesn't just include everybody that's living right now that's a Christian. Even the people that wrote the Bible, the Christians that that God inspired to write the Bible, we belong to the church that they're a part of, the church that Jesus first established. They're encouraging us, and we're encouraging the next generation as well. There's a commitment to each other that happens. So in your groups, um, in just a second, you're going to answer some questions that your leaders have for you. And then also, um, you're going to read through some passages. And so each person will snag a couple passages that your leaders have and just read it out loud. Um, But then at the very end, there's one question that you'll end with. And the question is this. And I want you guys to be 
created it. I really do. So, the question is this. If our identity together is God's church, so that's supposing that actually when we gather together, our identity is being God's people, God's church. What would be important to do when we gather? And then how would we accomplish those things? So, I want you to think, if this is about identity, if it's about being reminded of the story, when we gather, whether it's on a Wednesday or a Sunday, what's important to do? What should be a part of that gathering? And I don't want you to just, maybe it is some of the things you've seen us do on a Wednesday or a Sunday, but I don't want it to just be like, well, I know we're supposed to do this, or I know we're supposed to do that. I want you to really critically think here, like what matters when Christians gather together? What should happen? And what do these passages that you read show should probably take place when we gather? And then your leaders are going to write down some of your ideas, and maybe we'll even be able to do some of these things on Sunday in our Sunday service outside this coming week when we get to take over the service. Um, that's all I got, I think. Let me go. Yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to pray. And then leaders, if you could pass out some of those or, or divvy up the, the um, passages there and then read those and start working your way through the questions. And we'll bring you back together in a little bit so we can end with some kickball. Well, Lord, I, um, gosh, God, I just always want to be reminded of what Ephesians 2 says uh, about who I am and who each one of my friends are that are here. Lord, would you help us to believe this, Lord, that it is because of your great love that you chose to rescue us, to take us from from a dry, worn-out state and to give us life now and forever. Lord, I I pray for... um, I pray for the people here who haven't trusted in you, Lord, that are still so unsure about this whole Christian thing or uh, about your existence or, or what it means to actually follow you. God, I pray that, that in just hearing this morning a little bit about who you are and who, who you've called us to be as your people just starts to show them what life with you actually looks like. Lord, we pray that they would see it if they feel like they're too bad of a person or they're not good enough, that it's not because of anything that they've done that you would save them, but it's because of your great love. And Lord, I pray for the students that have grown up in the church and that going to Sunday is uh, Sunday church is all that they've ever known. I pray that you would start to open their eyes to see why we do that, that it's not just something that we do to do it, but there's actual meaning and purpose in gathering together as your people. Lord, would we look at the things that we do on Sundays differently? Would we look at the people that we gather with, whether it's on a Wednesday or Sunday, differently? Because we believe and trust that, that you want us to be a people that is about you all the time. Would you help our hearts to be engaged with what you have for us and not get caught in, in routines and rhythms and just going through the motions? In your name, amen.